Welcome back to FYI, the For Your Institution podcast presented by Mongoose. I'm your host, Gil Rogers, and today I am excited to be joined by Michelle McEnany, founder of The College Spy. Today, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, the annual admissions hype machine. Um, and Michelle, it is, it's so great to connect with you. Uh, for those who are not connected with you or have not had the pleasure of meeting you before, um, can you share a little bit about College Spy, your company, uh, as well as what you do uh, and your background, how you got there, and then we can kind of just dive in from there. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, so the College Spy is an independent educational consulting firm, and I work with students on the college admissions process from building the college list to doing their applications in a compelling and in a compelling and convincing way, um, and then answering lots of questions in between. So uh, my background is high school guidance. I used to be a school counselor in the high school. I worked in New York, in Maine, and I actually had a small little stint internationally working in England as a school counselor for little kids, elementary school kids, not for me. <laughs> I really like working with the older students. Um, so I bring to my work as an independent educational consultant a lot of knowledge about how things work in high school. And I'm a counselor, so I'm uh, providing students with a very high touch one-on-one -on -one service. Awesome. Yeah. And thank you for that background. I'm, I would love to understand, you know, as, as a former admissions counselor myself, um, and I know we talked about this last week, I've, I've interacted with a number of IECs and attended conferences. I'd love for you to kind of share, um, you know, the the why behind you know your approach and why why you do what you do and why families and parents specifically would seek you out and decide to work with you. Sure. So why I do what I do is that I think for two reasons. One is I really like working with students and I like working with parents. Mm -hmm. And the second reason is I have since leaving my job as a school counselor, fallen in love with both colleges and the admissions process. I'm highly interested in how colleges differ from one another and which, which college would be a good fit for my various students. Um, and also just following the trends in admissions and really understanding the process from the college's point of view so that I can apply how they're looking at it to my students to help them have the best outcomes why somebody would hire an IEC. Is that what you'd like to know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons people come to hire us. So, so for some people, it is simply the college knowledge, right? They don't know where their child should apply to school and they are unsure where their child could potentially get in. Um, but other people will come for other reasons where I'm more wearing my school counselor hat. So they're looking for household harmony. They don't want to be arguing with their child about applying to college or <laughs> yep. doing all of the nagging. They want somebody else to project manage it for them. Um, or they're afraid. They feel that you know, they're hearing in the media, they're hearing from friends that admissions is highly selective, that their child's not going to get in where they, they feel like as parents, oh, I was able to get in 25 years ago, but now my student's not going to be able to have that same opportunity because right. it's yep. more competitive. And they're afraid about that. And also, 
about making mistakes throughout high school, not taking the right courses, not being involved in the right extracurricular activities. And if this is an audio version, the right is being in air quotes, right? Because yeah. it's not all <laughs> the right. Um, but that's what parents are worried about. And they'll come for a specific uh, assistance and they really want somebody to pay attention to their kid. And being my background being high school uh, counseling, that's really hard for school counselors to do because they are wearing many hats, not just their admissions hat, right? So they're right. really yeah. And, and I think that that's, you know, I, I love what you touched on there about the fear in the process, because mm-hmm. I feel like that has permeated throughout and it's just gotten worse over the years. And I, and that's why I like to call it the, the annual admissions hype machine, right? There's always the, and you can do it by clockwork, right? And I know that for the people who are listening, who work on the admission side, especially the, uh, you know, the vice presidents of enrollment, you've been through this process a number of years. There's always the articles coming out around is education worth it and should you go to college and it happens every year around the same time and then it's followed up by institutions talking touting their rankings us news rankings etc and we're chipping away there a little bit uh with test optional and schools choosing not to report and those sorts of things but it's still a process and i I made a joke last week that you know what's going to happen when all the top schools opt out of the U.S. news rankings, well, that means all the middle schools are going to move up in the rankings and they're going to get to tout that they moved up in the rankings, right? And so that's not going to fix anything in the short term. It's just going to create even more confusion. Then it's affordability. Then it's, you know, touting the number of applications they receive. Then it's, you know, recruiting through the summer. So something's broken in this process where families believe that it's really, really hard to get into college, yet most colleges are are actively recruiting throughout the summer before census in the fall, right? And so when you're speaking with parents specifically, what are they saying on that fear component beyond just the selectivity piece? Because what I'd love to do is help our audience kind of fine tune their messaging, fine tune their approach to maybe, you know, put a release valve on the pressure in this process on, on all sides. Right. Um, well, that is the biggest one is they're worried about getting in. Right, so if they're expressing their fear. The other thing they're worried about is that their student is gonna be happy when they get there and that they're mm-hmm. going to thrive and, and be, um, make, be able to make, be at the right college so they're making the most out of their experience at college. So um, parents are worried about that, that they're finding the right school and they're having a hard time figuring out how the schools differ from one another. And um, so that therefore they're asking me or, and, and professionals, well, help us, help us put the right schools on the list. Um, so that's one of the things that they're really concerned about. Yeah, I, I love your the point on about messaging and positioning, right? I feel like the cha- a lot of the challenges are that for most institutions, the the high level communications and this, I, I, I've been on the other side of the desk well longer than I was on the admission side of the desk, but the messaging really hasn't changed all that much where it's, we have small class sizes, easy access to faculty. We have, you can start a club if you want to start a club and we're near a city of some kind, right? Wait, and, they and also so those, have study abroad. And Don't we also have study abroad, right? Study like abroad. And these are, and these are common things that it, it's yeah. kind of like the basic menu for all institutions. How can institutions better communicate to you so that you can communicate to your students they're the difference of the approach of their campus community. And, and, you know, obviously there's a number of tactics they can use, but what are some of the things that they, they should be doing that you, that you see that they're not? Yeah. What I'm interested in finding out about schools is not the 
data that you just mentioned, because I know that exists and it's yeah. easy to look up, right? Yeah. I'm curious about what the culture is on campus. That's what I want to know, because I'm spending a lot of time with my students, really getting to know them as people. And I'm trying to match them up with the right school where they're going to be happy and feel good. And so I want to understand what is the culture on campus. And I find that the best way for me to do that is to visit myself and look around and look at for certain things on campus on my own. And sometimes in that college visit, uh, schools are doing a good job letting me know very easily where I'm not looking at the clues. They're just telling me in the info session, this is how we're different. We're in this location. This is what it means, right? So for example, like a Bucknell being really close to Lewisburg and having a tight relationship with that community and the students can do a lot of community service in the community, right? And talking about mm -hmm. that is really helpful. And then of course, I'll have that follow-up question, which my families will have is, well, you're in a rural spot. It's a small town. Tell me about the internships so that we can talk to families and let them understand that kids at Bucknell get internships, even though it feels like it's in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's some transparency that would be super helpful as opposed to just saying, it's all going to be great. We have everything. This is how we have it. This is yeah. how we deliver it to the students. Um, would be helpful. Um, and to also understand what type of student is on that campus. Who's there? I tell my students when they go and visit, go in the dining hall. You can pay your 10 bucks and eat there. Look around. Look for your lunch table. Who are you going to sit with? That's what I want the schools to describe to me. What type of kids are there? And of mm -hmm. course, we have all different kinds of kids on campuses, and we're kind of asking them to stereotype a little bit. But that's what kids are doing when they visit schools. They're trying to sit, figure out, do I fit in here? Am I that Greek life, rah, rah, sports culture student? Or do I want more of the, oh, I don't know, University of Chicago, right? Where quote unquote, fun goes to die right. <laughs> experience. <laughs> so um, trying to figure out who they are and then what, what the college is offering so to know if they're going to fit in. Yeah, um, and you know that Colleges always do a great job really telling us this is what it's like on our campus. They're, I think, maybe worried about, I'm guessing you would know better. They're worried about alienating potential applicants. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great assessment because it, it turns into they want to be all things to all people they don't want to tell they want every student to apply because that gives them the largest applicant pool to pull from which then it goes back to the the fueling the admissions hype machine and number of applications and rankings and all those sorts of things at the end of the day i think that the admissions counselor out in the field isn't thinking about that they're just trying to do a good job of representing the institution and helping the student find the right fit but there's pressures to hit your enrollment targets, right? So they don't want to say something that's going to turn a student off. They're going to want to get them to be to to be excited about the potential for attending the institution, right? And I I feel like one of the best best pieces of advice I've ever heard for students who are researching schools is when you're on that campus visit, don't talk to the tour guide. The tour guide's trained to tell you what to say, right? Clearly talk to them, but also don't talk to your not don't just talk to your peers who are in the tour group. Talk to the sophomores and juniors in the dining hall. Those are the ones who have experienced the experience on that campus, and they're getting ready to leave. And if they're if they they're going to have the the longest exposure to your potential experience. So anything that you can do to get connected with those people, and there's you know online communities, and there's ways to to do that sort of thing. But that's the that I think is the way that students should be thinking about this process. 
Yeah. I, I don't know if I told you about this when we first talked, so I'll tell your whole audience. So the College Spy has a product coming out, which is a huge deal for me, right? I mean, I'm service-based business. And the product is an educational deck of cards. Did I tell you about it? It's you shared called, it briefly, but for yeah, sure, share it again. <laughs> it's called the Talking College Campus Visits Card Deck. Um, I created it with a colleague um, who is an, a former professor at American University. Her name's Andrea Malkin-Brenner. And it teaches students and parents how to take a tour. And the, the purpose or the, the why behind why we created cards like this is I think a lot of families will go on to campus and visit just taking what they can get, right? Hoping that the info session and the tour, or if they're lucky, they hit a an open house or, or a specialized tour, like an engineering mm-hmm. yep. tour or something like that. But they're hoping that experience gives them enough so that they know this school belongs on my list if they're in that part of the process or I'm ready to commit, right? If they're a senior. Mm-hmm. Um, and the point of the card deck is to kind of say, well, you don't always know from going to those visits. So let's take the experience into your own hands and what can you do to set up very a very deliberate and thoughtful campus tour for yourself. Um, so um, I'm excited about that. And I'm kind of hoping that that those those cards and those ideas get gets back to admissions so that they mm-hmm. can kind of think, well, this is what families need in order to figure out if this is a fit. There are some schools that do a great job with that, um, where if you feel like when you go on the campus tour that they 100% want students to, to apply who are a good fit so that they are accepting students who are a good fit. And I assume that means because that they'll yield those students and they'll retain them, mm-hmm. graduate yep. them, right? Um, like, so for example, Johns Hopkins is a fantastic tour that way. They're gonna, they say that the best, the best applicant is the most informed applicant about our school. Another one, totally different university is College of Worcester um, mm-hmm. in Ohio, small liberal arts school, really telling you this is who's a fit for campus. Um, and I think when they do that and they're really genuine about it, it does bring that hype down for yeah. families. Yeah. Sitting there. I mean, I think at the end of the day, the more information you have when making a decision, any kind of decision, it makes that decision a little less stressful, right? When it's helpful information through the process. I think, And you've, you've done an exceptional job of helping our listeners know a secret shopping list now to go and follow these schools and go visit these schools and go through those experiences, right? Yeah. Um, so- Designed exclusively for higher ed by higher ed professionals, Cadence Chat helps you engage your audiences with the perfect balance of AI and personal connection. Your website visitors can't find answers quickly, so they leave. We leverage proactive outreach and anticipate common roadblocks, knowing the most significant decisions often start with the smallest conversations. Our powerful AI ensures instant support and is smart enough to know exactly when to hand off to a staff member. If nobody is available, it allows for easy follow-up. Learn more at mongooseresearch.com. So tell me more about tell me more about those those visits, right? I'd love to for to advice for institutions that want to level up their campus visit experience to do exactly what you just said, help students be better informed and attract the best fit applicants so they can enroll the best fit class, right? What are the, what are the things that they, they should do from a hosting visits experiences, you know, pre-campus, pre-visit when they're at the visit and also post-visit, I think is an important component that's oftentimes missed. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think you could start in the information session. So sometimes you sit down and it's such a canned presentation. You can even hear it in the cadence of the um, admissions counselor's voice. Um, oftentimes the young, the younger admissions counselors, there's like a, a like a, a sing-song sound to how they're talking to you. And it sort of um, they're not connecting with their audience sometimes when they do that. And that is not just not helpful. As opposed to another place I might go to, they'll say, you know, who's here? Is it sophomores? Is it juniors? And they're, they're really trying to connect with who's there. And I've seen that even done at large schools with large mm -hmm. audiences where the person is just really not speaking a memorized speech, but is actually just engaging with the people there and, and speaking with them. And when they do that and they have that style of presentation, they're often gonna get more questions from the audience because they feel like they're in a conversation with the counselor. So some training around presentation skills sometimes right. could be helpful. Right. Um, yep. Even if the data that they're giving out, the information they're giving out is the same. Um, and then in terms of the tour guide, some tour guides are so on script and others are really sharing their own personal experiences on campus and weaving that into the script. When they do that, I know I feel like I really walk away with a sense of the school and my students do too. But what they'll say is my tour guide was so cool. I really want to go to school with somebody mm -hmm. like that, right? Because it's not somebody who's just kind of pointing out that's the library and that's the this and that's the that. They're kind of saying, and I'm going to tell you a story at each spot about a friend of mine or about myself. And it's really more personalized. Right, um, right. And, and I would say for for those those counselors who are um, giving those information sessions, I think it's important to remember, and it's very easy to forget that while you might be giving this information session for the 50th time, mm -hmm. for the families in the room, that's likely the first and only time they're going to see that presentation. So you have to leave your familiarity and maybe boredom with the content at the door and recognize that you're on stage, you're an entertainer in a lot of respects. And that's what's going to help to be help you to be more memorable and help influence that student's decision. And then like I said, with the tour guide, I think the one thing if, if tour guides could also learn how to control the weather, that would probably impact <laughs> yeah. their, their campus tours as well. I remember when I was a tour guide at my alma mater, my ratings of my campus tours were always lower on days that it rained. And it was nothing to do with the delivery, it had to do with the fact that you were running from building to building in the rain, right? So, yeah. um, so, so tell me about the, the you know, honestly, I've kind of good, good transition to the, the information session, that content, you know, obviously we, we just made it through a, you know, a, a, a very long global pandemic that, you know, where students and, and schools had to pivot to online content. And now we've kind of transitioned back where there's much more, you know, the in-person experiences are essentially back to quote unquote normal. Right. Uh, but there's, there are still many institutions and, and an, an expectation that there's virtual content as well. So I'd love to kind of understand the virtual visits, where they still fit, how they still fit, do they still fit, um, and what's the what's your recommendation for institutions to leverage that medium to make an impact as well? Yeah, um, so I think that virtual information sessions and virtual events are a silver lining of COVID, right? So we had some virtual stuff like U universities little thing you click on and, you know, beforehand. And now um, the schools, they seem to, they're back to in-person, but you can find on that visit page, a lot of virtual events. And I'm having my students do them because um, a lot of them 
have trouble sorting through websites to do college research. So I want them to hear from an admissions counselor and not just the ones that show up at their high school, but yep. the ones for the schools that we pick out. And I think they're good. I have some students who can walk away from those and get back to me and we, we debrief the experience when they go on tour or do a virtual tour and say, well, this is what I learned and this is how this school stands out different from this school. They're able to do that. Um, and then I have other students who are kind of reporting well, you know, it kind of just sounds the same. Like, cause I'll say, would you want, should we put this one on your list? Do you want to go visit it now that you did a virtual event? Uh -huh. They're really unsure um, and not feeling like they, um, that they can really know more than maybe they could find out on the, 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 on the website, you know, or doing other forms of research. And some things that might make a difference to students is having a student panel. And that's true in the information session in person, but yep. also um, at the virtual event. And the other thing, and there must be reasons why schools do this one way or another is, my students are much more engaged in the virtual event if it's a, a meeting as opposed to a webinar. Uh -huh. So if they're expected, to, and I, I tell them, you need to be, you might have to unmute and put on your camera and say, my name is so-and-so, and I'm interested in blah, 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 psychology or business or whatever, you know, do a little introduction about yourself. But they're more likely to engage in that as opposed to, you know, be uh, texting their friends while listening. If it's a webinar style where the yep. student isn't as, it's, it's less interactive. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would imagine some of these events could be very large for admissions and they really can't do that. But if it's possible, I think the students walk away a little bit more engaged. So I'll give you an example. I have a student who accidentally registered for like an education session. It might've been at the University of Pittsburgh. And he said, I sat through the whole thing because he wants to study engineering. Uh -huh. um, he said, I sat through the whole thing. I said, is it because it was a meeting? You didn't want to be rude. He said, mm -hmm. and it was small. So I didn't want to click off. So, I mean, they had his attention, <laughs> right? They had his attention, even though, even though it wasn't his area of interest, he felt that he needed to stay engaged, which is yeah. what yeah. you need is the student's attention, right? Yeah. And I, I think that that's a very prudent point. And I think the other thing to consider is that for many institutions, it's that balance of being live all the time, which is what COVID was, right? Mm -hmm. Versus you know, there's also the the other end of the spectrum, which is all on-demand content. And I think, you know, that that was before COVID, that was your virtual tour and your YouTube page, right? And now somewhere in the middle, there's that combination of live sessions, interactive content, panel discussions, on-demand information session. That information session that's, you know, predominantly for parents might make a great piece of on-demand content, but a student panel might be a great for facilitating Q&A, right? And so- right thinking strategically about where these things actually fit and doing them right hasn't changed. It's just now you have another arrow in your quiver when it comes to methods for, for reaching and connecting with students, right? So I'd be oh. interested in the data behind the students who are watching the on-demand and watching the whole thing and the students coming to the live event. Because when I tell a student, I want you to look at this video. We, we're on the Zoom, right? I work with all my students on, on Zoom. I don't meet with anybody in person. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, Look, here's the video for the virtual event. I want you to watch it this week. Or I say, okay, let's get this on your calendar because you have to sign up for the event. Yep. Much more likely to do it. And this is, of course, anecdotal, not, not yep. real data. If it's a live event that they have to be at and it's only at this time, 
as opposed to, oh, I forgot, or no, nah, I watched the beginning, or you know, or they're yep. you know, yep. completely taking it for me. <laughs> so yep. you're, really you're, you're talking to a guy that worked at a virtual events company through COVID, and you're you're mm. 100% spot on. When it feels like I'm registering for a live event and I have to be there at a certain time, there's a certain attitude and perspective around it that's different than just watching an on-demand video, then it's up to the institution to package it, promote it, and market it the right way, which is a whole separate podcast, right? Right. So, so not for me. Although yeah. Me, so I do a lot of online stuff myself as an IEC and packaging and marketing and webinars and all of this stuff. So I might be able to talk about that, but um, yeah. Um, but I, you know, I'm definitely aware about the students who are just, they're not engaging. It's very interesting. And it could be about the timing, right? If you want to get somebody first semester, junior year to engage in that content, it's harder than getting that student who's it's August going into senior year and they need to finalize that list and they're feeling panicked. Yep. And that's, I think you go back to the, the, the the college admissions hype machine. Where do these things fit in that process to dispel some myths, make the process easier, give them the resources they want. I think back to your point, and then I have one final question for you. It, around the you know, students using the the online experiences as kind of a filter, right? I think the the hesitation prior to the pandemic of doing anything virtual was, well, we want them to come visit campus because if we can get them to visit campus, our, our we're in front of them, we're more likely to to convert, even though they're if they're not tracking that data at all. But it's you know anecdotal perspective and the feeling of okay, we've got them on campus. The, the website didn't replace the campus visit, but you have a website. Your social media didn't replace a, a campus visit, but you have social media, right? And it's the students are using, they're, they're using these experiences to decide which schools to invest their time in to go to visit because they don't have unlimited resources and time to be able to do those sorts of things. So, but in the spirit of, for those who have been listening for, for the past few weeks on the podcast, always like to keep students at the core of the conversation and, and what we talk about. I'd love for you to share uh, a little bit about how students are communicating to you about how they're researching schools, how they're hearing from and about schools and what's what's working for them and what's not working for them so that our institutions who are listening might make some strategic tweaks after, after listening to you today. Yeah, that's a great question for your audience. Um, so my students, hear about schools the way we know they hear about schools. My friends are applying there, um, uh, parents are speaking about it. It's, it's in my region, perhaps, or highly ranked, you know, they know Harvard, they know Yale, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, even if they know they're not gonna be applying to those two schools. Um, what they're saying is that they're getting a lot of emails and they do not open them. And although I would imagine your audience can check the data on that. My students are telling me, though, anecdotally, oh, my gosh, I'm getting so many emails. Oh, my gosh, I'm getting so many emails. But one thing they are aware of, even if they're not opening the emails, is who is emailing them. So, for example, I might bring up a school and to a student, a hidden gem or just a different one we hadn't talked about before. And they'll be like, no, I don't know much about that school, but, you know, they are sending me emails. And so they're aware of who's reaching out to them, but that doesn't mean they're opening and clicking and learning about Mm -hmm. the school in that way, Um, which is interesting to me. And I'm always trying to tell them, let's start opening those emails up, right? Not only what I tell them is is all about demonstrated interest that colleges can track that. Now, is that the number one thing that's going to get these kids into school opening the emails? No, they need to be doing their homework, Mm -hmm. right? Having good grades. However, if I can get them a little bit nervous about that, 
it'll force them to open the email and learn about the colleges and stay engaged in the process. So I'm, I'm maybe using a little hype myself to help yep. do some, some research and some, some, yeah. So anyway, so the email thing is interesting. Um, and I think a lot of times the students who have a one-on-one -on -one independent educational consultant, the person they're relying on is me to introduce, right? They feel like mom, mm -hmm. mom picks somebody or dad picks somebody, they're going to be the one introducing the schools to me. I do have some students who are very engaged and will say, well, what about this one, Michelle? What about that one? But for the most part, this is a very passive. So, so for so for institutions, so I'll add a follow-on question. I lied. One more. So for students who are, or for, for institutions rather, who want to better reach students who are working with an IEC, what's the best way for them to influence and get in touch with you and people like you? Well, the best way, in my opinion, is give me a fly-in. Oh my gosh, do those fill up fast. If you don't get back to the school that sends you an email, do you want to come to the fly-in within five minutes? It's full. Um, we love those. If you have the budget and um, the inclination to invite independent educational consultants to campus. And when I have a day and a half on a campus, my goodness, does that school not only fall on my students' lists, but they fall on the right students' list, right? Who's really right. going to want to apply. It's a good fit for, and they're likely to actually pick that college. So, um, and it's mostly really the smaller schools that are bringing us to campus. But there are also big schools that get in touch with IEC. So the University of um, California, Santa Barbara is periodically sending out messages to independent educational consultants that's specific to us. And those get opened a lot more than um, other emails I might get from schools who actually think I'm, I'm a student or, you know, because uh -huh. I have to sign up sometimes for torts as a student because there's no other way to do it. It's not, you can't just say I'm an independent educational yep. consultant when yep. you sign up online. Um, so um, when I have a very targeted message that's to an IC coming to me from a university, I will open and read it because they're providing me with information that will help me do my job, as opposed to I'm reading the stuff that's going out there for parents and students. See what I mean? Yep. It's targeted at me and it's helpful to me. So I open it and I read it. So, um, you know, having twice a year a counselor, I would imagine you could send the, the same type of thing to school counselors and independent educational consultants. Because um, I would have right. opened it as a school counselor too. Yep. Um, that could be really helpful. Yeah. So tailored communications, tailored opportunities are the, are the best method mm -hmm. there is what it sounds okay. like. And so. sometimes those opportunities do come virtually for us. Um, but I wonder, I'm curious how well attended. I am much more likely to say, oh my goodness, fly me in and I'll give two days of my time to go to one school than I am even to do an hour virtual session specific to ICs. Even because it's so much better when you stand there on campus and you really mm -hmm. see it, you walk away, you know who would fit in well at this school. Well, and like like you mentioned, I think the if the content is all stuff that you could find on the website, then that virtual session is probably not as valuable as if they had chosen a different format that might be a little bit more impactful. Um, yeah. Again, totally separate podcast that we could do on virtual events and content. Uh, so maybe we'll we'll get you on for a follow on episode That's at some good. point in the future. Uh, so, Michelle, thank you so much for your time. I hope that um, you know you've you've enjoyed it as much as I have. You're easy to talk to, got some great information. Um, what is the best way for folks to get in touch with you if they want to continue the conversation and in, invite you to campus and, and all that sort of fun stuff? 
Um, my website is thecollegespy.com and my email is Michelle, which is two L's, at thecollegespy.com. So um, be happy to engage with your audience. That would be great. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Michelle. We appreciate your time. And thank you all for listening. We will see you next time on FYI.